the second chapter of Genesis and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The breath of God was breathed into the body that had been made, and then that body became a living soul. Life is precious. It's a gift of God. It is something that we must not just take for granted that we have some control over. We don't have control over it. God gave us life. If you've ever stood over a corpse and looked down and thought after just the first few moments had passed after death, this person will never again go to his home, will never again speak to members of the family, will never go back to his job again. This life, his work is over. There is nothing else remaining in this life. If he's a Christian, he looks forward to better prospects in the next life. If he is not a Christian, there still is a resurrection and a, a life of torment. But life is such a gift of God. It is literally the breath of God. God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's why we really cannot save people's lives. We may be able to prolong the body uh, continuing to function as a, an organism, but yet God is in control of the spirit. He breathes into our life the spirit of man, and man is a living soul thus. Then in John chapter 20, and in verse 22, we read, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't believe that we must take this as merely a physical act or gesture on his part that he was so close to them that they could feel his breath. But rather, I think that we must understand the significance. He breathed life upon them. He, he is sharing with them the secret of spiritual power when he says to them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Religion would be dead. Religion would be just mere mechanical and operational if it were not for the work of the Holy Spirit. And so he said to his church, church, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And the church without the anointing of the Spirit, without the presence of the Spirit, truly is lifeless. We're just a body. We don't have the life. We're not the Spirit that we need to be. So he breathed upon his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a, a similar situation when Ezekiel was speaking to in a vision, speaking to the nation of Israel. And in the vision, he saw them as a valley of dry bones, bleached and hopelessly divided and spread. But somehow in a miracle of God, the bones were brought back together, bone to his bone. And then flesh came back upon the bones, and then muscles, and, and all the body was complete, but still they were lifeless. And God said to Ezekiel the prophet, prophesy to the wind, 
and have the wind come and enter into these bones and these bones shall live again. And, and indeed he did and the bones stood up a mighty army. Well, the significance of that is that God is giving a spiritual rebirth to the nation of Israel. There is a physical restoration for Israel that is already taking place. Since 1948, they've been going back to their homeland, and the nation is being born again physically. There's a body, but no spiritual life. They still don't accept Jesus Christ as a nation, and Jewish culture almost totally denies that Jesus is the Son of God. They do not believe He is their Messiah. So their spiritual birth has not taken place. That is still future. But oh, thank God, the wind is going to blow in Israel. And there is going to be revival there. Now then, the next place that we see the breath of God is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Doesn't exactly mention the breath of God in the King James translation, but it's exactly what is meant. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the word inspiration literally means in the Greek, God breathed. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now in the winter time, you and I can blow our breath on a pane of glass, and if it's cold enough, it will crystallize. And we have in the Word of God, as it were, God's breath crystallized into a form that is preserved, that we can see, that we can touch, that we can sense, that we can feel, that we can believe and live by. All Scripture is God-breathed, and so as it were, He has breathed into the world. And his word has been crystallized for us to read, for us to believe, for us to live by. And thus we have it to see and to experience today. It is God-breathed. The assemblies of God believe with no apology in the verbal inspiration of the scriptures. Thank God. We believe that when the word of God was given in the original, when it was written or spoken, that it was divinely breathed. It was God-breathed. It was controlled by God. As men wrote with their pens, they were superintended by a higher power, by the Holy Ghost, who guided them in what they wrote. Some of it was spoken in the mouth of a prophet or other speakers. And as they spoke, they didn't just rattle off the top of their heads. By inspiration, they spoke in their own vernacular, in their own language, with their own limitation and use of their language, but nonetheless controlled, lest they should speak any error, lest they should convey any wrong thought. Every word that they spoke was divinely inspired of God. God didn't give them a language that they didn't already know. He used their limitations, but nevertheless controlled and superintended their use and choice of words so that the message of truth would not be in error. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 21, the word of God says that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Meaning, and, and 
you can read different translations. You can go to the Living Bible. You can go to many translations. And the thought is this. Holy men of old spoke these scriptures as they were controlled, as they were born along, as a mother carries her baby, as the wind carries a leaf, as inspiration guided their thoughts and controlled their meditation. They were born along. They were carried along as God controlled their mental abilities as they yielded themselves. He didn't do it arbitrarily. As they cooperated with the Holy Spirit and spoke as God inspired them, we have thus God bearing them alone. And holy men spoke as they were born or carried along by the Holy Ghost. All Scripture is given by inspiration, not just part of it. Now, this was written in the New Testament. It was written about the turn of the first century. Almost, uh, well, not quite that late, maybe between the year of 66 A.D. and 90 A.D., this passage of Scripture was written, and it claims inspiration for the rest of the Bible. What is the Bible of that day? Paul was still writing part of the Pauline epistles. Other works of the New Testament had not been completed. So then, the apostle Paul must have meant, by and large, Mostly the Old Testament when he spoke of all Scripture being inspired. Thus, my friends, we have God placing his stamp of approval upon the Old Testament writings and saying that they were still valid. Now, remember, friends, the Bible had been written to that point over a period of some 1,600 years of time. It was written by men who were Farmers, men who were doctors, men who were prophets and priests and different professions, and yet there was no real contradiction. And the Word of God in the New Testament says all Scripture, and the only Scripture they really knew about at that particular time had to be the Old Testament, from which Jesus had preached, from which Paul preached, from whence other apostles preached. And so when we hear people talking about, well, the Bible is an old book. It's been handed down from generation to generation. There must be errors and mistakes. And there's differences of opinions. And when people uh, translated it and then passed it on to a new generation, there probably were a lot of mistakes. That's just the argument of the world. Paul said, in his day, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. In other words, to that point, God had preserved over a 1,600-year period of time the writings that had been passed down from one generation to the next. So the Word of God claims in the New Testament that we need to accept the inspiration of the Old Testament. And my precious friend, if God could preserve the Old Testament for that period of time for 1,600 years ago, when records were not as easily kept, is it not easy for you and I to think that these past 2,000 years almost, that God could preserve not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, which was added, and believe that God could still say that all Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable? I don't find any difficulty accepting that, and those who do find difficulty must contest the Word of God. They're in direct opposition to the claims of the Bible itself. It claims to be inspired. Jesus preached from it. The apostles read and preached from it. And so we feel quite comfortable with it. Now, the entire Bible of the Old and New Testament consists of 66 books with more than 40 or at least 40 different authors. 
shepherds, fishermen, doctors, tax collectors, and on and on. And yet, it is the Word of God. Why? Because it was God-breathed. Because it was written by inspiration. Because men were born along. Their minds were yielded to the Holy Spirit. As they wrote, as they spoke, as they recorded history. Some of the Bible is a historical account of things taking place, just like the fall of Satan and his expulsion from heaven, just like the wars and the battles and the slaying of giants, and on and on. It's an account of history and things that transpired, but it's a sacred account. God doesn't give his approval to everything that happened in the Bible. Some things were recorded like David, David committing adultery with Bathsheba. Now, God didn't inspire the adultery. God did not inspire anything that had to do with sin, but he did inspire the sacred writer to historically record the fact that David failed God. And so you see, God doesn't cover up. God does not ignore the problems. The problems are recorded in the Bible, not so that we would think he approved of the problems, but rather to let us know that this book is a perfect account of everything that God said took place. I believe every word of it, every, everything from Genesis to Revolution, as one man said. I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. One man called me up one day and said, he heard me on the radio say that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And he said, preacher, that wasn't a whale, it was just a great fish. Well, I read to him the words of Jesus where he said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed it was a whale. I have no problem believing it was a whale. I believe it all. The words... The Lord spake appear more than 2,000 times in the Bible. The Lord spake. Now we have people saying that 2,000 and more times today that God told me and God spoke this and God thus saith the Lord, but we're not always sure it's the Lord. But in this book, when it says the Lord spake, you can rest assured it is the Lord. There are many voices and many claims to inspiration today. And some claim to even being inspired to speak on the same level with the Bible. But we don't accept that. This Bible cannot be added to nor detracted from. It is complete. It's the mind of God. It's the revelation of God. It's safe to trust in it. But I don't know about some of the things that have been said in these last days. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse, 20, uh, verse 18 that not one jot or one tittle of it would fail until every word of it had been fulfilled. A jot is the smallest word in the Hebrew language. A tittle is the smallest brush mark that it takes to make one letter of the alphabet, like the I, that, the, the dot over the I. The smallest brush mark that it takes to make the Hebrew character. Oh, the power of the Word of God. Jesus believed in it. He used it in his own life situation on the Mount of Temptation when Satan said to him, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He defeated Satan by quoting the word of God. When Satan tempted him and said, bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Again, Jesus said, it is written, 
Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then when Satan tempted him to cast himself down from the pinnacle, again, Jesus defeated the devil by saying, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Friends, we'd win more victories over the devil if we learn to trust this book. If we learn to quote the word of God, if we memorized it, if we read it, if we digested it, if we quoted it and lived by it and meditated upon it, we'd win more spiritual victories. It is described, or in it, it describes the earth as a, a spear. For it says, he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Men for many years thought that the earth was flat. But the word of God all the time declared that it was a spear. He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. With the power of his words, Jesus cast out devils. With the power of his word, he healed the sick. Simply spoke the words and they were made well. I believe that we had received more healings if people would give more attention to the word of God. Instead of the oil, instead of the hand that's being placed, that's scriptural now to put oil on people and to lay hands on sick and to pray for them. But we get our eyes on these elements and we get our eyes on the man and we think about his gift and we think about some feeling that we're supposed to have some sensation and we don't think about what the word of God says and I think tonight we'd see more miracles if we could get our mind on the word of God Jesus performed miracles of healing just with his word nations who honor the Bible have been prospered and blessed Andrew Jackson of our own nation said that book is the rock upon which our republic rests I wish some of our modern day Leaders would, would uh, attest to that. Some of them do, but not all of them. President Grant said, Hold fast to the Bible as the sheet anchor of your liberty. Daniel Webster said, If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overtake us and bury our glory in profound eternity. These wise men spoke to this republic that we need to let the Bible be the bedrock, the foundation upon which we build this nation of democracy. And they're trying to bar its use and prayer and any mention of God from the public life of America today. And when we go to the polls, God is going to hold us accountable if we vote for the liberals who want to bar God from our classrooms, who want to rule God out of our public life, who claim that we're trying to start a revival rather than have a democracy. It was said of one of the uh, national conventions that it was more like a revival than it was a political convention. And that one of the uh, platforms was like the Old and the New Testament. That's the best platform you could stand on. I wish we had more of the Old and the New Testament to stand on in our nation today. Friends, I'm not going to vote for more money. I'm not going to vote for economics. I'm not going to vote for who I think will put more money in my social security or in my financial standing. I'm going to vote for a person that will stand up and say God is needed in America. I'm not telling you right now who that is, but you probably know. <laughs> it 
since some of them say, I don't want to force my convictions on others. Like one who said, well, I personally don't believe in abortion for myself, but I don't want to force my conviction on other people. What if that conviction was killing all people? I don't believe in killing all people myself, but I don't think I ought to say anything if somebody else does. Sure, we need to protect the old people and we need to protect the unborn. And God save our nation and God bring our nation back to its roots and the Bible consciousness that was here in the early days. I know all of them were not saints. I know they were atheists in the founding of our nation. I know that part of history. But this Bible has the history of the past of the human race. It has the program for the future. It has the key to the mystery of man. It is the labor of cleansing for man's soul. It is a lamp to light our way, a fire to burn up the dross. It is seed to make us fruitful. It is milk to sustain us as babes. It is meat for men to be strong. We need the Bible. We need the Word of God. When the Bible was being translated and in the 15th century, it was not in the language of the common man. When William Tyndale set out to translate the Bible in England and in Europe into the language of the common man, he was opposed by the king, he was opposed by the church. And he was so persecuted that he had to go into hiding to print his Bibles as he translated them. Finally, he was arrested and put, in a, put into prison in a castle near Brussels, Belgium. And one of the most heart-rending passages in Fox's Book of Martyrs has to do with Tyndale's 16 months in prison while he was awaiting his trial in a letter to the governor, Tyndale wrote, I entreat your lordship that by the Lord Jesus, if I am to remain here during the winter, you will request that I be brought enough from my goods to have a warmer cap, for I suffer extremely from the cold in the head, being afflicted with a perpetual cough, which is considerably increased in the cell. A warmer coat also, for what I have is very thin. My shirts are worn out. There is in my goods a woolen shirt. If you'll kind as to send it, I also have some leggings of thicker cloth to put on. I wish also to have a lamp for reading in the evening, for it is wearisome to sit alone in the dark. But above all, I beg and beseech your clemency to be urgent that the warden may kindly permit me to have my Hebrew Bible, my Hebrew grammar, my Hebrew dictionary, that I may spend my time with that study. In return, you may obtain your dearest wish, provided it be consistent with the salvation of your soul, to the glory of the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, whose spirit, I pray, may direct your heart. Not long after Tyndall wrote these words, he was judged guilty of spreading heresy. He was strangled. His body was burned at the stake, but before he died, he prayed, Lord, 
Open the king of England's eyes. That prayer had already been answered for at the time he died, one year prior to that, the king had already decreed in the year of 1535 that a complete English Bible would start being circulated throughout England with the approval of King Henry VIII. It included Tyndall's New Testament and his partial translation of the Old Testament. The year after his death, another Bible circulated in England freely and with the approval of the king. It too was largely Tyndale's translation. In 1539, the great Bible was printed in England. The king ordered that every church should have a copy. And one of the ironic things is that the, the man who had opposed his Bibles and had burned his Bibles publicly and even paid money to buy up the Bibles that Tyndale printed in fact, in, in one instance, uh, Tyndall learned that this man wanted Bibles to burn publicly just for a show. So he furnished the Bibles so that he could get the money to print a greater number of Bibles for other type of distribution. God turns the tables on the devil quite often. But anyway, the man who burned the Bibles publicly was forced by the King of England to help distribute the translations that Tyndale had helped prepare. And so in the common tongue, the Bibles were being distributed due to this dedication of a man who believed in this book and was willing to die for it. In fact, the man who, who had burned the Bibles tied Tyndall's hands when he was burned at the stake and strangled to death and then burned at the stake. The Bible is a precious book. We need to understand that it contains the plan of God's salvation. So simple that even a fool would not err therein. It challenges yet the minds of the highest intellects. It's manna for our soul. It's a mirror for our life. It converted men like Whitfield, Augustine, and Martin Luther. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored. Heaven is opened. And the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand object. Our good, its design. And the glory of God, it's in. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mind of wealth, a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened in judgment, and will be remembered forever. It involved the, involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Beloved, this book is our rule, it's our map, it's our guide. We need tonight 
to thank God for his precious word. Let us lift our hands and praise to God for this precious book, the Bible. We thank you, Father, for this revelation of God to man. We thank you for the plan of redemption. We thank you for the, the reproof that it gives to us, for the doctrines that it teaches us. We thank you that even now the power of it courses through our being, gives us eternal life, and we pray that it will bear fruit in every life of people gathered here tonight, that every person will yield themselves and fruit will be born as they yield themselves to the word of God. 